0: This is the Copper Crab Podcast.
1: I am Cheney Crab.
0: I am Naveen Copperweiss.
1: If you would like to submit a question for the podcast that we will answer on the podcast, then you can email us at CopperCrab at gmail.com. If or you can call in, leave a voicemail, and we'll play it on the podcast and hear your beautiful voice and answer your question at 615 615- Three one four five zero five three. If you want to buy Entheos merch, then go to www.entheosstore.com. Uh, so, this week, Black Friday is on Friday. So, of course, as usual, you guys are getting first access to the sale and you are getting a better sale than people who do not listen to the podcast, and are not in our Discord. So for all Golden Lobsters, because we love you guys so much, we wanted to do something special for you, and we're giving you guys 40% off our entire merch store. Just use the code, in all caps, GOLDENLOBSTER2023 at checkout, and you'll get 40% off your entire order. We ship all of those orders, so any note that you leave, uh, we will see. We try to answer them all. We Uh, leave
0: notes back. We leave notes back.
1: We leave notes back. So go to www.entheostore.com. That's E-N-T-H-E-O-S-S-T-O-R-E.com to buy merch. And the same goes for the Copper Crab merch store. It's www.coppercrab.bigcartel.com. And I will put a 40% off sale there as well. So, yeah, that's the announcements for the week. I guess there, the other thing is, if you guys haven't already heard, we are playing Lorna Shore's Christmas shows. There are three. Can you get the dates for me, Harrison? I One is already sold out, the one in New Jersey.
0: It's the 20, 20th, 21st, and 22nd.
1: Yeah, one's in Worcester, one's in New Jersey, and the other is on Long Island in New York. So
0: My dad will be there, by the way.
1: Naveen's dad will be there.
0: Harrison will be there.
1: Harrison will be there. You can see all of your... Naveen and I will be there.
0: It's It's got all the Copper Crab usual suspects. All
1: the usuals.
0: Yeah, me, Chaney. Not the cats. The cats. Speaking of cats, oh, I yeah. guess it's...
1: Now that he's made his way onto the oh, table. Oh, there he Harrison, get him, get him. We have a new cat. <laughs> <laughs> I so just yeah, realized we before... We have another
0: th- freaking cat... <laughs> I just Uh, realized
1: before this podcast that we've, like, uh, all of our cats have been kittens (coughs) in the span of us doing the podcast. So, here's our new kitten. let's show him off. He doesn't have a name yet. Yeah.
0: Maybe drop, if you got a little name idea for him, put it in the comments. We were playing around with a couple names, but none of them have really stuck. He's found a golf ball somehow.
1: (laughs) But, yeah, we have a new cat. Who has a golf ball? (laughs) (laughs) Where did that even come from? The Uh, golf
0: ball? uh, Your mom took it from that golf course
1: oh yeah we went on a walk the other day we it's been an eventful two weeks for us yes, very and eventful. that is why we didn't do a podcast last week because uh we went on a trip to california to visit naveen's family and we saw an earth crisis show which was awesome we also saw chase <coughs> chase frazier played a show and we went and saw his uh like synth band project What's yeah, that
0: the, was in Santa Cruz. Why don't we just re, we'll recap recap the trip.
1: Yeah, let's recap the trip. We uh we'll do the whole thing, unlike the the tour recap of the US tours. So <laughs> <yeah. laughs> Which people are still asking us to go back and do.
0: Look at what the kitten's doing. <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm just kinda yeah, like Yeah, he
0: just dude. likes being around us. Anyway, we'll just have to not pay attention to him. Yeah, we'll still have It'll to navigate that. To do. For those of you who can't see, he is fiercely playing with a hair tie in front of our monitor <laughs> on the table anyway uh so we flew from here to uh to california and went to oakland and then we drove down to santa cruz and we stayed at my mom's we stayed at the barn we did stay that at the was barn. pretty legendary yeah yeah that was a uh for our old school listeners how many episodes did we do in the barn
1: i don't know like the first 10 or something yeah maybe so, not even that <clears> far because we started, I remember uh, when Aunt, who used to be in Fallujah, when we had him on an episode, I think that that was at our house. Yeah, it
0: was. Okay. It was pretty dang short it, after we started the podcast that we moved to the house.
1: Yeah. So like the first couple of episodes were shot in our barn.
0: Yeah. So we stayed in the barn, which was uh, pretty nostalgic, although it was completely empty. Uh, really nice. Great time.
1: Yeah, your mom has essentially made it into an Airbnb. It looks yeah. really good.
0: She should do that for, like, you know how you can rent the house on Jersey Shore? Yeah. She, she, she should do that with the barn. You can go <laughs> We're stay saying there. that
1: about Jersey Shore because we've been watching a lot of Jersey Shore lately. Yes. <laughs> oh my god. I thought that was Harrison laughing, screeching, howling, <laughs> laughing in the background.
0: No, the cat just walked onto the soundboard. <laughs>
1: um
0: He is cute, also, by the way, mm-hmm. for people who can't see how cute he is. He is cute. Uh, yeah, we stayed in the barn. We did. The normal Santa Cruz stuff, you know, went downtown. Which is uh, if, you
1: live in Z- if you live in Santa Cruz, you have to do the Santa Cruz stuff. We went to Zachary's. Yep. We went to Cafe Cruz. We hit yep. all the food spots. Uh, we went and Viarda. saw Chase. We went to Vallarta. We went and saw Chase play at the Tannery, which mm. I didn't even know that there was a venue at the Tannery. But uh, it's kind of this uh, apartment building type thing. And it was a cool little like venue that was about the size of this room. It was really small, but it was really yeah, it was cool. Really Chase had a a fog machine in there, I guess, and smoked <coughs> he the definitely, whole room out. Yeah, he
0: fogged it up pretty good. <laughs> and uh, then we went up to the Bay Area. We went to Gilman Street, where we saw Earth Crisis.
1: Is it called Gilman <coughs> Street, or it's yeah. just Nine, called two, Gilman? Four Gilman? Oh, it's called Nine Two Four Gilman, or it's just called Gilman. It's called Gilman Street. I or? don't
0: know. I always call it Gilman Street, but
1: the name of the venue. Yeah, I think it's just Gilman, right?
0: I, I really don't know, <laughs> but I have not been there <laughs> in like well over 12 years.
1: Yeah. So how was that for you? It was really cool. <clears throat>
0: um, I saw a bunch of people that I haven't seen in a long time. Uh, I think animosity was more a part of that scene, kind of like the hardcore adjacent scene. Yeah. And pretty much once I joined animals and then started our band at that point, things were kind of spread, uh, split differently. So, uh,
1: yeah, because now I feel like when bands come, when, uh, like bands don't really cross over into, I guess there, you know, there are a few like death metal and hardcore crossovers, but generally it's kind of like, uh, an old school death metal type sound (coughs) that crosses over into hardcore. Things are, and back then it was like, yeah, back then it was like more different genres of bands could play together or would. Well, I think
0: there was just not as many. Fans. So you kind of had to pool resources together.
1: True. That's true.
0: But yeah, it was definitely a trip. I saw a lot of people who used to go to shows back in back in the day. I fanboyed out on them to a degree that I thought was maybe uh embarrassing. Oh my god.
1: <laughs> 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 you just flicked water across the table at me. This is our most disruptive yeah, Look at oh what
0: Uh, We have a kitten here. He's drinking all the water out of my cup, and for some reason, he like he has this weird thing with cups or uh, bowls. He'll like put his paw off to the side of it. He doesn't really understand how it works. But uh, yeah, I fanboyed out on Earth Crisis to a degree of I thought maybe I might have blown it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Um, it was the most. It was the most. um, Like. Starry-eyed, I've I've ever seen you yeah. around bands.
0: And, well, uh, th- the thing is, I've been listening to them for a long time. They were totally. one of the first heavier bands that I really got into. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking. I'm listening to heavy music for like two years, and then they were introduced.
1: Absolutely. To
0: me. So,
1: for me, and I- I've <laughs> never met them.
0: Uh, I I started messaging the guitar player on Instagram, and uh, so we ca- he we kind of connected through there. And then, so when I did see them at the show, you know, he was like, Hey dude, you know, you came cool. And we were kind of talking and, and I was like, bring it in, dude. I got to, you know, give me a hug. You know, it was like, it was a little weird.
1: That's pretty awesome though. I think <laughs> because as you, for me, as I get older, like I'm, I'm very rarely like that. like starstruck yeah. by someone, but yeah. I can think of a few bands that bleeding through being one of them. I've, I don't know them yeah personally yeah. but they're a band that kind of changed my, they changed my life when i was a kid you know they were one of the bands that helps me transition into way heavier music you yeah. know out of kind of new metal and stuff so it's cool to be yeah. able to do that every so often because it becomes more and more of a rarity
0: yeah definitely i think also <clears throat> one of the great parts about playing in a band and uh continuing down is you do get to meet uh the people that you looked up to. Absolutely. If you're lucky you yeah. know, totally. you get to maybe play with them, tour with them. I've toured and played with a lot of bands that I'm a huge fan of.
1: 100%. Yeah. But it
0: sort of moved away from the scene that they're in, which is like the more hardcore side. Mm-hmm. So I never really had the opportunity. I, I, I met the singer once randomly at a show, but just said, hi, that was pretty much it. And then, uh, <clears throat> so yeah, I was a little worried that I goofed it on the too much fanboy. but then I saw them after the show and they were, uh, happy to talk to me again so i was uh i felt like relieved that i didn't blow it <laughs>
1: <laughs> didn't blow it no you didn't No, blow i it. did not it blow was, it was awesome blow it. they put they killed it yeah they were, they really were awesome. so sick yeah they uh like the whole crowd was going crazy it seemed like it was a lot of like older kids that grew up what was the name of the ep that they
0: it was the 30-year anniversary for Firestorm.
1: <laughs> I was never huge. I was never into Earth Crisis as a kid, but I know of them because of you, and I've heard them because of you, and they yeah. absolutely killed it.
0: Yeah, it was. Um, it was just a great night. Like I said, it was out uh, of venue that I haven't. I, I remember the last time I went there. It was uh, right before we started dating, and it was uh, nails.
1: Oh, well, I wish and I could I have was, seen that. It was show. right when
0: they just started.
1: Wow. That's legendary. <laughs> and
0: my friend was like, "Oh, yeah, we're gonna see the guy from Terror's like new band. They're called Nails." I'm like, oh, "Okay, let's go check it out." Yeah. And uh, that was the last time I'd been there. So, but yeah, I was really pleased with the amount of people that showed up for that show. And uh, it was sold out. It was a super sick show.
1: Also, Gilman is somewhat of a legendary venue. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, Green Day started there. A bunch of bands of that era started AFR. there. AFI start AFI played a bunch of shows there. And Jerry Guzman has a ton of, I think he got, we've talked about this before, but he has a video up of Green Day playing in like 93 or something at Gilman. So for me, it was, I've never been there before and it was cool visiting a venue that I've heard about for so long. He wasn't there. What?
0: Jerry Guzman was not there. Oh yeah, wow. It's kind of weird. Surprising. But uh, yes, yeah, so that was great. And then we just hung out with my family for the rest of the weekend. Yeah, which was awesome. And then uh, came home.
1: And then we had one day <coughs> in between hanging out with your family and my mom getting here. So we didn't really have time to do the podcast last week. It was yeah, we uh, a little a bit of a, a thing.
0: <coughs> and we got the rascal on and the day. And we had this little
1: rascal. Yeah. So. Who's calmed down now.
0: Yeah, let's let him take a little nap. Cuteness overload. Yeah. But yeah, we are um, trying to get things rolling around here again, right? We're uh, getting ready to go play these shows. I'm excited about it.
1: Me too. Now that the EP is, now that we're done tracking and everything, it's like, I feel like we have, I'm slacking on doing stuff, but we've gotten a lot of stuff done this year. So Uh, I mean, I totally totally feel
0: like I haven't been doing anything. Yeah. And then the other day I was like, oh, we made a whole EP. Okay, tight. At least we have that going.
1: I am excited to go play shows next month. It should be a good time. Uh, It's funny. I would say, you know, when you're on tour and in the thick of it, after about three weeks, you kind of start getting ready to go home. But there's a point, maybe a month into being off tour where I'm like, okay, I could stand to play a couple of shows. And when you play, when you just do three shows in a row or a week of shows in a row, it's a nice bounce back onto the road and get get a taste for it and then you're kind of ready to go back yeah. home and wait for the next time. I
0: think that'll be a great way to wrap up this year. Totally. <clears throat> We've had a f- pretty freaking cool year if I don't say so myself.
1: Yeah, it's been a fascinating year, that's for sure. Um, yeah. But yeah. So I wanted to, someone wrote us a question this week and asked us not to share it on the podcast. Uh, but so we're going to share it. So we're going to read the entire thing word for word. But I don't think, I just feel like they just didn't want us to read their entire, you know, situation and what was going on. But I did want to talk about it because I think it's something important that we should talk about on the podcast. And so long story short, this person is caught in between making a life decision. They're 29 years old and they... Have kind of been going from job to job, you know, not really knowing what they want to achieve in life or do in life. And they're at kind of a crossroads now because they can go one way and work for a family member and essentially, you know, be set through life. It's a good job, (laughs) but it's not necessarily exactly what this person wants to be doing for the rest of their life. And, or they can make the other decision of doing something they're actually interested in. This, for the, you know, I want to tell this part, this happens to be in the music industry, what they want to do. Uh, and it has to do with like building and working on guitars. And they are asking, and so basically like, you know, this route isn't as much of a guaranteed thing. If they, they want to move to Nashville and follow down the the luthier road, But it's not necessarily guaranteed that they can make a living out of it for the rest of their life. But this is somewhat of a dream that they want to follow. And basically what the person was asking is if we think they should take, you know, the road of having a secure job and being good on that or the road of following their dream. So we were talking about it the other night and we still haven't responded to the person because Naveen and I wanted to formulate I'm, well, I'm sure by the time this comes out, we will have. But we wanted to formulate a a, a good response to this because it is a huge life decision. Yeah. And basically, so do you want to start? Like, what's your what's your opinion of?
0: Yeah. So the question is, do you follow your passion? Not so much of a guarantee as taking a job that you don't want to do as much to have security. Yeah. And I mean, my experience has been, I always held down a job and I'm sort of lucky because I was able to work, uh, for my dad, which was doing the draperies, the shades, all that stuff. It was like, we installed window coverings and that gave me a skill to go out on my own and create my own schedule. And that way I could go on tour and you know afford to lose money or whatever and then or not get paid very much because let's face it you're not going to get paid very much in the beginning so i could do that and then i could support myself with having a pretty dang good job because not that many people do that sort of work and skilled labor is um scarce at, at the moment so i'd always have a job and i could probably you know start picking that back up now if i needed to but I will say, um, so I think that's a benefit. You can, in the beginning, have enough money to fund whatever you want to do. Like we could, I could save up money to buy cameras. And, you know, that's how we have these cameras. That's how we have a lot of the gear that we have.
1: That's how we have so much. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely.
0: You know, I, I got the my thing to a point where I was keeping my expenses kind of low, scheduling as much as I could, um, and but working a lot. Right? And then having to do the music thing on the side, I mean, you have to be really efficient with how you do your passionate stuff. So I, you don't have as much time as uh, you do with your job. It's just going to take over your life in a way. And I think that definitely was always frustrating for me. And always um, I always kind of dreaded it. I I wasn't excited to go to work, you know, I was excited like when I got paid and it was cool to have that part, that aspect that, um, was more secure. And I, and I enjoyed that aspect of it and I liked everybody that I worked with and all that stuff. But at the end, end of the day, I really didn't feel like I was putting in work for what I ultimately wanted to be doing. And so that was really frustrating for me Um, but I didn't have that many options. You know, I didn't go to college. I got out of high school early, barely went to high school. So I had to do that as it was the best option for me to support my music career. And, uh, so we did do that for, Oh, I did that for since I was 17 till two years ago. So almost 20 years. And then, um, We saved up money. We moved out here. We started hustling more with the music stuff. And I did actually do a little bit of that work um, while I've been out here. A couple of jobs here and there. I kept in contact with some of the companies that I worked with. And as of this new year coming up, I told them that I don't want to work with them anymore. Because there's still that part of me that I feel like even though it's such a fraction of my time now I'm spending way more time on music and everything I should be doing what I can to um further my ultimate goal and I and I don't regret it you know I, like I don't <clears throat> as a result I'm not having as much money you know I don't have as much disposable income at all because we're just living on what we get through music and the band and that isn't as much as when you go work a super professional job. You know, it's just not the same, especially, you know, it could be uh, down the road, but as of now, yeah, I'm making the sacrifice to have a little bit less, but I'm working towards my goal. And I think more often than not, people will regret not taking the chance. You know, you want to get to the end of your life. Are you going to regret not doing the safe thing? I mean, I don't think so. No. I'm- I've never been re- like when I look back on my life, I don't regret spending all those years working. It's not really regret, but I'm kind of just like if I could tell my younger self, I would be like, dude, just just don't do that. Like figure out something else because there was so much time spent doing that. You know? Yeah. And I and I and I as I move more into doing what I want to do all the time, every day, doing music. And it's not to say that music is, or your passion is going to be a walk in the park. You know, like ultimately 70% of what I do, I don't really feel like doing, you know, Uh, what I like doing is sitting in a room and playing guitar and like playing drums sometimes. That's what I just would do if I could just do anything, but we're trying to make this into like a actual product, an actual business. So things don't really materialize unless you put in work.
1: I think that a lot of people discount that aspect of it. And once the going gets tough, because it will, when you're following your passion, it like anything is possible. Anything that's bad probably will happen. You know, you're going to, maybe have $0 in your bank account at a certain time and you're going to have to scramble and figure out how to pay your bills or put a
0: bill. Hey, you got to call them up, put a bill on hold, you know, that kind of thing. Like you have to make sacrifices that you probably wouldn't have to make if you had a normal steady job.
1: Right. And, but the, in exchange for the sacrifice of if you have an, a different passion outside of working a normal steady job, the sacrifice that you're making there is that you are in the position that Naveen was just talking about where you feel like you're losing time or you you just become angry. Yeah. You're sacrificing your mood on a daily basis. You're sacrificing that, the not feeling regret at the end of your life. So there are, and no, nothing comes without a cost. So following your dream is going to come. I would say Naveen and I probably work we work way, I don't know how many more hours in a day. I don't know if, what's the quantifiable part of it, but we work so much more following this passion. And I don't want people to discount that you work constantly. When you run your own business, especially, if that's the type of thing that you want to do, you have to work so much more than clocking in for a nine to five. Yeah, We don't get to leave the you don't to say, hey,
0: thanks for having me on the tour. I'll take my, you know, whatever yeah. I made on the tour. I'll talk to you the next time. Yeah. Like, we don't get that. We have to make sure there's another tour. We have to promote the band. We're making videos. We're doing, like, what, whatever. I mean, all day, for the most part, we're doing something that relates to the band or music-related music. Related, uh, work.
1: Absolutely. And also when you, when you're following your passion, you get told no a lot and everyone around you is going to try and talk you out of what you're doing. Everyone, because a lot of the time when you're following what you want to do in life, other people don't, don't quite see the, the, how it's going to work out in the long run. Yeah. And people will always interject their opinions on what you're doing and tell you how to do things better. And, People will tell you no. If you're building a good, if you're a luthier building guitars, some per there are people who are going to hate your guitars. There's going to be like a Reddit discussion about how horrible the guitars that you build are. Yeah. But and you have to learn to deal with all of that stuff. And you're facing, you'll face all kinds of people telling you no and you'll get your feelings hurt. And you also have to overcome all of that stuff on top of running a business. And you know, you have to yeah. figure out budgets you have to start working on you you know you have to understand when is okay to hire people what how much money you can spend there are a bunch of things that come with running your own business and following your your dream that are they they're fun it's yeah it's It's not not always fun
0: so i think but it is more satisfying than 100 doing the opposite right and i think when I look back on my life, I want to know that I spent my time fighting to do the thing that I feel like I'm, I don't know if there's a supposed to, but supposed to do or uh, like I feel like is worthwhile. You know, I don't really feel like spending 20 years of my life ensuring that people have shades on their windows is for me the most satisfying thing to do. I'm just doing that for money. Yeah. You know, and I, and I realize like, I have, I'm not looking down on that whatsoever. I, I probably will do that again, you know, but I think I'm, I want to move more into a lower um, involvement in that type of work. And that's more just supplementary to keep me going to do what I want to do. So I would probably say that's the best way to do it. Yeah. You know, you have, you, you're not going to be making them enough money doing what you ultimately want to do. So figure out a way to cover your expenses and live a modest life while you spend the rest of your time building your other thing up and just go from there. If the opportunity that you're getting is too much of a commitment and you won't have time to do what you want to do, then I probably wouldn't do that.
1: I wouldn't either. I would find something else to have a, something to supplement my income while I pursue what I want to do until that becomes the way that, I can make my main source of income until that supports me and it's going to take a few years. You, it is a wait. it's a game of patience.
0: I think it'll take a a few years and it'll (laughs) like, uh, uh, like peaks and valleys. There'll be times where you're like, sweet, I don't have to do any other gigs. I'm living off this thing. And then there might be a time point in time where that's kind (laughs) of silent and you have to go find something else to do. And that's part of being, I think an artist.
1: Yeah, I do feel like with jobs, a lot of the time we spend, and money, there's a certain part of us that's trained to constantly be looking down the road. You know, am I going to be okay when I'm old? Am I, will I have a 401k, this and that? I think that there is obviously a necessary amount of that that we should be doing. You do have to pay attention to your future, but don't base your entire life on those things
0: it
1: is important it is important to be driven by something i think i really think that it's what will keep you alive at the you know in your 80s and 90s is still being passionate about something and really finding something that moves you and inspires you to think about to be excited about the future and to be excited about the things that you're doing. And for many people, it's being an artist and it's a, yeah. a bit harder of a road to take. But it is a, a road worth taking from two people who have taken that path. I, I've never been more frustrated in my life than when I had a full-time job and I couldn't dedicate all of my time to playing music. It was yeah. the worst time of my life.
0: So I think the pain of not having as much security is less of a pain than doing what something that you really don't want to be doing and having the security. Absolutely. Right? So I, that's what I kind of do. I usually compare my uh, deci- decisions to the lowest point. Like what's the worst case scenario in both of them? And then take the worst case scenario, the better worst case scenario. Yeah. Like I, I find myself being far less frustrated doing our band all the time and music stuff, even though we It's not as secure as it was when I was working full-time. But I was more frustrated when I was working full-time. I'll take the, like, oh, we're running low on money this month over that. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, any day.
0: So I hope that gives a little insight there.
1: Yeah, me too. I just, (laughs) you know, no regrets, right? Yeah, But you you could talk to someone
0: that's coming from uh, people who are Um, We
1: don't have kids. We we don't don't have, have, you know, they're, they're,
0: we're both in it together. That's a whole nother thing. That too. I mean, you might be, have a spouse that's got like totally different goals than you. They might want different things than what you want. So uh, fortunately for us, we're in it together and we have the same goal. So I recognize that um, not everybody has that and your situation is going to change depending on what your commitments are. If you have kids or.
1: But I don't. And with that being said, I don't think that any of. I don't think that following your passion is unachievable with people depending on you. You know, it's just going to determine how much time you can you can dedicate to this thing. And if you get yourself on a good like schedule, you can you will just dedicate an hour toward that thing every single day, even a half an hour, any amount of time that you can put toward your future goal you're moving in the right direction. It just takes a little longer. Things take time. You do have to have patience.
0: Definitely. Yeah, I mean, as far as, I can't comment on if you have kids or not, because I don't know what that's like.
1: Yeah, that's a whole, uh, (laughs) no experience there. We do have cats. We have
0: uh, little cats, but they are pretty low maintenance. (laughs) All right, so we've got one other question here. Uh, Question for Cheney. Obviously, a lot of, wait, sorry, this is from Otrocious. <laughs> is that how you spell Atrocious? No, it's
1: with an A. No, it's with them.
0: Obviously, a lot of your songs have pretty emotionally heavy lyrics. Is it ever difficult to perform them live, or do they just become words after enough times?
1: That is true. They do have an, uh, emotionally heavy topics, they, I do get emotional singing certain parts of songs. I will be honest, when I'm saying things really fast, it's harder, like I don't get... It, sometimes I'm just thinking about getting words out in a live environment because, you know, faster, uh, faster phrased parts are, they take a lot of breath and I will sometimes be thinking, oh God, here comes a part where I'm going to have to hold my breath for a really long time. But... some parts I'll catch myself like getting goosebumps and tearing up a little bit. There are songs that I've written that are about uh, things that have impacted my life about we used to play this song. Well, we haven't played this song in a while suspended animation from dark future live. And that song every time I listened to that song the other day and I got emotional listening to it because it is about my friend who uh, died A few years ago and every time that I listened to that every time that we played that song I would get emotional so there was a point in time where we were playing dark future in its entirety live and that song every single night had that effect on me so yes absolutely you when you're a lyricist you at least for me I connect very deeply with the things that I say and that is honestly why I've always um Gone the way of writing emotional lyrics. That's why my my lyrics have never really been. I've never been very interested in writing, you know, songs about aliens and science and all of those things. It's not really my thing because I don't connect to it on an emotional level. And writing lyrics for me has always about been about like getting my thoughts and emotions out on paper and being able to portray those thoughts and emotions you know so other people can feel them as well and connect to the music in that way so absolutely i always emotionally connect with songs and there are a lot of parts on the ep that we're putting out next year that i hear and i get goosebumps every time they're really the lyrics are really close to me so yeah always how does that work with the drums, Naveen? What's the what's the feeling, the emotional element behind playing drums?
0: Um, hmm. I think drums one? are kind of, for me, just purely emotional. Like you kind of build up your technicality to a point where you can sort of just express yourself on the fly. Yeah. For me personally, I know some people like to write it all out and get real nerdy with it. But I'm more just expressive, just playing what I feel in the moment.
1: You are an expressive player. I think that's honestly um, a thing about our band is that you can, when you see us live, every single part isn't exactly, especially with Naveen's parts. And, you know, there will be different tonalities of vocals I'll use sometimes. And Brian, I don't know if he ever really, sometimes he'll improv a few parts, but it's like you get a different thing live than on record. And that's, Emotion. Like yeah. that has to do with the emotion of it.
0: Yeah. Slightly different. Not like not not jam band status. No, it's yeah, not jam band different. status, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean I think that's kind of as you uh for me, as I've been writing more and more and getting older, I kinda try to write stuff that I feel like people could connect to not just on the technical side. One hundred percent. And it's hard to explain what that is, but Um, just making stuff that, yeah, it does have a vibe and carries some sort of emotion. And you're kind of like making this whole, um, space for people to be drawn into.
1: Yeah. And I totally agree with you about the, there's this sweet spot where technicality and emotional emotion meet each other. And it's really awesome to know all of the technical aspects about what you do. But it's all really just, and this is in a recorded sense, so this is kind of going away from the initial question, but uh, it's really important to be able to n- be able to use the techniques that you do know in order to write something that can translate to other people and that can portray the emotion that you're, yeah. that you're trying to get out there.
0: I mean the techniques they're kind of like a vocabulary you know it's yeah. like another way to express yourself but you don't need to make things unnecessarily complicated. You know, no. Like reading a book like that is not not that many people are going to connect to a book that is technically written written in a way that's hard to understand. Yes. So I think you do want to maybe utilize some words that are a little bit out of people's reach. But for the most part, make it understandable to keep people interested.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's what they say is uh, that people like 90% familiarity Mm -hmm. and 10% different. Something like that. Something like that. But it's like people like stuff that's a lot like what they normally like and a little, it's got a little flair to it. Yeah, a little, that's
0: the originality thing. And, you know, it's not to say that you're sitting there trying to formulate, like, how can people relate to this? It's like, it's literally like, you're letting it flow and hopefully other people can uh, get that feel as well.
1: Yeah. I, uh, I feel like going back to the performance thing that that is a part of our band's performance. We're a pretty emotive live band. I try to be just the way that I just think that naturally that's kind of how we play. Like I, it's just, I don't, I don't know what it is, but we're pretty, that's our thing. It's a good time. Yeah.
0: So, yeah, I think we're still trying to always uh, get a good mix of all that stuff.
1: Totally. Because some
0: technicality, we d- some vibes, some uh, emotional parts.
1: For sure. But, yeah, all right. I think we're going to have a short podcast this week because it is the holiday.
0: That's right. Okay. So, wait. Uh, next week, we won't do one or we will?
1: No, next week, we will do one.
0: Okay. Oh, this... It's on Thursday, right? Yeah. Oh, dang. Crazy. It's already here.
1: <laughs> it's already here. We're close to That's... the end of the year. And we hope all of you guys have a great week, whether you're celebrating or not. You know, yeah. just have a good one. We appreciate you guys so much. Yep. And love y'all very See you much. next week. See you y'all. next week. Peace.